This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Our text for this, for this series called Keeping Courage is found in 2 Corinthians 4th chapter, verse 1. And it says, I'm going to read it here. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. And that word do not lose heart actually means to lose courage. And we talked last week that courage is the quality of minds or spirit that enables one to face danger, fear, or change, change in circumstances with self-possession. In other words, you're not freaking out. There's confidence there and resolution. You're, you're resolved that you're going to continue to face these things. Jesus actually spoke of taking courage um, and he used a word that I never really associate with courage, but when you actually look it up, the meaning of it, when Jesus said, be of good cheer, I used to think that meant be happy. When Jesus would say, you know, he's walking on the water, the disciples think it's a ghost, and Jesus says, be of good cheer, I thought he was going, hey guys, be happy, it's me. No, he's actually meaning take courage, take some resolution, stop freaking out, it's me. And so we find that Jesus actually did talk about courage, but we want to talk about some ways because, and I, I was thinking about this as I was driving up tonight. I, I think sometimes we have sold ourselves short when it comes to courage. If you talk to people, they'll often say things like, you know, I, I just don't have any courage. I, I'm just a big chicken. I'm just a coward. And I understand maybe that they're talking about what's happened in their past or even how they see themselves. But I would encourage you, if, if that's the, the view that you have of yourself, don't stay with that. That's so limiting. I really believe God has a lot more for you than simply just resigning yourself that you have no courage. And so we're talking tonight about ways that we can actually develop courage. There are some things that when we choose to believe them, they can put courage in us and they can strengthen us and they can be a blessing to us. So we're going to talk about some of those things. I'm recapping a little bit from last week because we, we introduced that when Paul said, as we have received mercy, this is from our text, he said, we don't, we don't lose courage. We keep our courage because we've received mercy. Mercy is, is the loving kindness, the compassion of God. And, and it's more than just a, a feeling God has for us. It's an active desire to relieve us of the challenges that we're dealing with. God's mercies. Paul understood God's mercy. Paul was a man that before he became, uh, well, actually he was Saul before he became Paul the apostle. And he was a man who persecuted the church, actually had people put in prison. He consented to them dying. He was a pretty severe guy and he was very uh, adversarial about that. He was the enemy of the church. And yet God had mercy on him, made him, made him one of probably the, the greatest uh, living outside of Jesus, one of the greatest missionaries and examples of God's mercy and grace. He went all over the world. He wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. Paul was a great example of someone who had a bad background and received God's mercy. So he had a good understanding of mercy. So he said, hey, hey, you know what? Because we've received mercy, we don't, we don't lose heart. God's compassion, God's mercy, that because we, we receive that in our lives, so the more we understand it, and the more we have a knowledge of it and the more we believe it, then the more it makes a difference in our life. So Paul is an example to us of God's mercy. There's another guy who understood mercy and his name was Peter. Peter understood God's mercy. Uh, if you remember, Peter was the one that right before Jesus went to the cross, Peter uh, 
told, in fact, Jesus said, all of you will, will, will leave me tonight. And Peter said, oh no, Lord. He said, now, I don't know about the rest of these guys. I'm paraphrasing. He said, I don't know about the rest of these guys. He said, but I'm not going anywhere. I, I, am, I am staying with you. I'm, I'm your man. <laughs> and Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, actually before the rooster crows about three times, you're going to deny me three times. And so Peter, Peter no, he, he, he denied that. But really, in effect, he, he bragged about how courageous he was and how more courageous he was than the rest of you guys. He's like, I don't care what the rest of these clowns do. I'm, gonna, I'm going to, I'll go to you, I'll go with you to death. And then when he was confronted after Jesus was arrested, remember Peter, a little servant girl said, weren't you with him? And Peter said, who knew? And then someone else asked him, I thought you were one of his disciples. He said, no, no. And third time someone asked him, in fact, the Bible said Peter cursed, didn't say what kind of word, he just, he just cursed and said, I don't know the man. And Jesus turned and looked at him. So you can imagine how Peter felt. He had bragged and then he denied, he denied that he even knew the Lord, walked with him for three years, was actually part of his inner circle. And so this was a big thing. And, and yet it was Peter who was restored. And Jesus restored Peter Ask him, he did ask him three times if, if he loved him. And he confirmed Peter. And it was Peter who stood up on the day of Pentecost after the Holy Spirit came into the earth on the day of Pentecost and they spilled out into the streets. It was Peter who stood up and spoke and 5,000 people got saved. So you can see that Peter understood God's mercy. He understood how good God would be. In fact, Peter wrote about it and he, in, one of his, uh, in one of his books, it's in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. Let's look at this verse. He said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He's talking, he's talking to us. He's talking to the church. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. So the Bible's saying that we actually have obtained mercy. So it was saying that he understood, Peter understood that we did not do anything to become God's own special people. We didn't do anything to become chosen. This was God's mercy on our behalf. And it's God's mercy on our behalf that makes us special, that makes us chosen, that makes us, we were, you were designed, I was designed to show forth, the Bible said, the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. One of, the, one of the, the ways that we are to be a witness, people talk about witnessing, I think it's great, but one of the best ways to be a witness is we act like, hey, we, we are people who have, God has been merciful to and he has been good to us and we have received his mercy and we're his people and we're chosen, we're a royal priesthood. We begin to think of ourselves differently because of God's mercy in our life. And then we actually have the ability to become examples to other people of God's mercy. You say, what, what do you mean examples <laughs> other people? When Joy and I got married about 38 years ago, I just her, her family might shoot me for this, but there was nobody on her side of the family that thought we were gonna make it as a couple. Evidently, we brought so much, you know, and. And I, I know they were, basically, they were blaming me. They thought Joy was going to be fine. It was me they didn't like. And uh, Joy was dancing with her, uh, her father. 
And this was at the, like the father-daughter dance. And, at the, and he's talking to her about if it doesn't work out with me, I can always come and stay with her. This is, and this is on the wedding day. You, you don't appreciate, I, I don't appreciate that. Made me, made me kind of mad when I found out about it. But I understand, they're just looking at me, they're thinking his personality and her personality, it's just, it's just not gonna work, they're not gonna make it, they didn't like me. But you know what? They were wrong. 38 years says they were wrong and Joy and I both can testify to the fact it's the mercy of God that we're still married 38 years later. And God's mercy, especially in those early days, helped us. And so now we've become actually an example of God's mercy to other couples. Couples now look at us and go, well, y'all have never had trouble. And we laugh and said, you don't realize how much problems we had when we were first married. We used to think if we only had one major fight a day, it was a good day. And so, I'm, man, I'm glad to tell you those days are gone. It's the mercy of God to help us stay. That and the fact that I think both of us don't have any quitting sense and we wouldn't, I'm not leaving. And she's like, I'm not leaving. So we stay. Aren't you glad for God's mercy? But you can probably think of places in your life maybe where it didn't look like you were going to make it and the mercy of God sustained you. But when we think about mercy, it, we, it wasn't just mercy that we received when, when we made Jesus our Lord. That mercy is still towards us. God's mercy hasn't changed towards us. And that mercy is something that we can talk about. In fact, David talked about it. David was someone who understood God's mercy. He had insight into God's mercy. When you read the Psalms, you begin to read some of David's understanding of God's heart. And, and he really did have insight in, into God. David had insight into the mercies of God. I won't take the time to go into the story, but, but at the very end, I believe of 2 Samuel, David had messed up. He'd made a huge mistake. And Nathan, the, the, uh, the prophet said, well, the Lord's given you three choices. You can have a, a famine, you can have a plague or or." You can have a famine, you can have, fall into the Lord's hands, or you can fall into the hands of your enemies for three months. Now you're thinking, okay, if I'm going to take something, I could take, well, we could deal with the famine, or I can deal with my enemies. David said, he said, let me fall into the hands of God because his mercies are great. Do not let me fall into the hands of man. You realize what David is saying is? David had much more confidence in God's mercy than he did any human mercy whatsoever. David had a confidence there. And as you look back over his life, David didn't have a perfect life. In fact, he made, he made some huge mistakes. I, I could just look at the fact that what David did with Bathsheba when he had an affair with her and then killed her, had her husband killed and then married her. And you look at that and you're thinking, man. And you know their second child, the first child died. The second child was a young man named Solomon. And Solomon was the one that built the temple. Solomon was the one that became king. I'll tell you something about God's mercy. It is amazing. And when we think about it, it can give us courage. As we receive mercy, we don't lose heart. David talked about this in one of the Psalms. Let's read it here in Psalms 33. He says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, respect him, on those who hope or have expectations in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield for our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. 
Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us, just as we hope in you. David talked a lot about mercy. I think the Psalms, they mentioned mercy in, in the Psalms almost a hundred times. And so David had, he said, we hope. Our expectations are in the mercy of God. God's mercy. David understood he faced enemies. He had problems. He dealt with problems in his kingdom. He said, but our hope is in your mercy. We, we hope in your mercy. We, you're our help and our shield. And I thought, you know, that's a prayer that we can pray for ourselves. We can pray that prayer. It's a, a, a declaration of who God is and his help. He said he would keep us alive in famine. That means when we go through these difficult times, we're not going under. He's going to help us because we're the ones who are confident. Lord, you have mercy on us. We, we love you. You're good. So what helps us keep courage is God's mercy. Here's, here's the second one. This is the second thing. Believing that God is with us helps us keep courage. Believing that God is with us helps us keep courage. You know, one of the things that, that can be so devastating is the feeling that you're completely alone. In fact, in Ecclesiastes, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, Ecclesiastes 4, he says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him. So unless he's got one of those little things around his neck where he can press a button and says, help, I've fallen, but I can't get up. He's got nobody to help him. And no offense, those of you that wear that. But anyway, the idea is, is the idea of being alone is something that just really can just suck the courage right out of you. In fact, oftentimes when they want to punish prisoners, they put them in solitary. They put them in isolation not because it's a great place for them to meditate and kind of connect with themselves. It's a, it's a place of punishment. It's a difficult place. I remember when I felt probably more alone than any other time in my life. I'd gone to college. I had uh, just finished my first year and I went out and I sold books door to door and I was out in Southern Illinois. And I remember that they dropped me off. The, they dropped me off the first day. I, I had to hitchhike pretty much everywhere I was going. It, I don't think that's a great idea now, but we're talking about the 70s. And so I, I hitchhiked everywhere I was going. I knocked on doors. I was door to door and, and knocked on door. I just felt so alone. I remember the first time I knocked on the door, I was just standing there and man, they had trained me and told me what to say. And a lady answered the door and I just, I just stood out there blubbering. It was raining. She, she finally looked, she had mercy on me. She said, come on in, honey. You're standing out there in the rain. And she actually, she, she actually bought books from me. I thought, wow, this is going to be maybe easy. <laughs> it wasn't. It was a very alone time. But maybe it was in that alone time that I realized how much I needed God. Because being alone is, it, it, boy, it, it was difficult. And I'm working six days a week. I'm way away from my family. I got no one I know around me. And so that alone time, man, when you, when you fall and you're alone, you, you got no one to help. But... That's, a, that's something where, as a believer, we don't have to have those feelings of being alone. Now, Jesus actually talked about being alone. Jesus referred to it in John, the 16th chapter, in verse 32. So Jesus talking. He said, indeed, the hour is coming, yes, and has now come that you will be scattered each to his own. He's talking to his disciples and will leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. So Jesus talked about 
The fact that even though you're going to leave me, all his disciples were going to scatter. And so Jesus wound up all by himself. He said, but I'm not alone. He says, because the father is with me. I need you to hold that thought there because remember, Jesus is our example. And when Jesus left, he gave us promises that he would not leave us alone. So he didn't operate alone. In fact, the only time you hear Jesus refer to being alone was on the cross where he, when he bore the sins of humanity and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the only time you, you hear Jesus ever refer, but he always talked about the, the, his relationship with the father and Jesus was a, was a man that even though his disciples left him, he said, I'm not alone. And that's such a good thing. If you know God is with you, then if you believe God is with you, then you realize, hey, I, I'm not alone in this. In the, um, in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses was speaking to Joshua. In Deuteronomy 31, I want to read this, these verses. This is, Joshua had a big job, and this is Moses speaking to him. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear or be afraid of them. Talking about the enemies. For the Lord your God, he's the one who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage. For you must go with this people to the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Now this is Moses, who was a man who understood God maybe more than any other man, certainly in his generation. And he understood God and he, he spent time with God and he understood his ways. And now he's talking to Joshua. Joshua is going to have the job of leading the nation of Israel into the, into the promised land and causing them to inherit it. But evidently had some challenges associated with it or God would have never said, or Moses would have never said to him, be strong and be of good courage. Don't be afraid. So he's getting ready to tackle a huge job, but then Moses gives him the words that enables him to stand, gives him something to work with. He said, and God will be with you. He is not going to leave you nor forsake you. He says, so now you can, you don't have to be afraid. But he gave him a reason. He didn't look at, at Joshua and go, Joshua, you're a strong individual. I know you got a strong uh, resolution. I know, you, I know you're built out of good stuff. You can make it. You can be strong and have a good courage. He said, no, God is going to go with you and God is going to be with you. Guys, this is what makes a difference. Christianity is not all about us going just to heaven when we die, although that is an awesome option. And I am so glad that we have that available to us to, to, to depart from this earth and to be with him, uh, to, to depart and be with the Lord's far better. But hey, while we're down here, it's still going to take strength and courage for us to do everything that God's called us to do. But we don't have to be afraid because we actually have a better covenant than Joshua had. We got a better deal than he had. He didn't have to be afraid because God was with him. And you don't have to be afraid. And I don't have to be afraid because God's with us. And knowing that and believing that makes all the difference in the world. When you know he is with you in this. I had some number of years ago, we just built the building and we had some kind of internal turmoil and things and things were going on. And I'm, I'm coming up 45 and just, just talking to the Lord and, and a little bit dismayed about all the things that are, that are going on. And I'll never forget. In fact, I could tell you where I was when he just spoke this to my heart. Don't mean I heard a voice. I did not hear a voice, but I could, I could just tell in my heart, I knew exactly what he said. And when I was kind of lamenting some of the people who have left. 
And he said, I haven't left you. And I thought, hmm. You know, really, that's all I need. People can change. People can come and go. But if God's with me, I can make it. And this is what Moses is telling Joshua. You know, later on, God would confirm that to Joshua or God spoke that to Joshua himself. It's in Joshua 1.9. It's pretty... He says, this is now, this is the Lord speaking. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for or because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He said, be strong and be of good courage. And there's a reason. See, God's just not looking at us going, hey, you, you guys need to be strong and be courageous. He's saying, be strong and courageous because I'm with you. I, I can remember having, a, when I was in college, we, uh, this, this was back in my, my BC days, BC before Christ. In, in my before Christ days, I can remember uh, we had some bars up near the, uh, the town where I went to college in. And so on Thursday nights, that was a big night. We were, we were always at the bar. Well, I was in a, I was in a fraternity and we, we recruited some guy to be in the fraternity. Man, he was, he was huge. He was about 6'6". Six, six, and he, he was a, a martial, he's a black belt loved martial arts. And he, I think he was kind of mean. I think he actually liked to hit people. I think he did that for fun. I didn't like to hit people for fun. Uh, I didn't think it was a good idea, but this guy really enjoyed it. And, and I remember when we would, we would go in and into a, a, a bar. I remember if he was, he was with us, there was a little bit of a sense of, okay, if I start something, he can finish it. I never was one. I like to talk my way out of stuff when I, I was in college, but I had friends that could start stuff. But this guy, this brother could finish things off. And if you knew he was with you, well, it gave you an, an extra step of confidence. I got to tell my dog story. I know some of you heard my dog story, but there are people who have never heard my dog story. I had two dogs uh, growing up. One was a scruffy looking poodle. His name was Pal. The other one was a big a great Dane whose name was Blue. Blue was huge. He could put his head right there. And, and if I had my, he could put his hand, head right through there. He would, his chin would never touch my hand. He was just a big dog. Weighed about 150 pounds. And uh, he and Powell were buddies. And when, uh, when Blue was just a puppy, Powell was full grown. And Powell kind of dominated him. So Blue grew up thinking that Powell was the ruler. And they would terrorize the whole neighborhood. They would go around the neighborhood. This is where dogs could wander free. They'd terrorize them. <laughs> Powell would go into, he would go into another dog's yard, you know, pee on his bush, kick up dirt. And, uh, and these dogs would come running out after him and Blue would step in. And Blue could take on multiple dogs at the same time. And so, you know, Powell got to be a, he was pretty cocky. You know, as a, he was, he would just walk around that neighborhood because he had blue with him. He'd walk around that neighborhood like, I got this. And uh, he did, <laughs> till blue died. And uh, when blue died, it was a very bad day for Pal because all the other dogs, it's like they lined up outside of our yard going, come on out, because <laughs> we got something for you. But, but when, Powell, when blue was alive and they were together, Pal knew that it wasn't on his strength he knew he had someone else's strength he could depend on. Now, I don't know if that, as a dog, if he made that leap, I'm going to assume just for preaching purposes that he did because here's the deal. We, 
as we go through life, sometimes we're facing things that do not, they, in our own strength, we know we can't handle them, but thank God we're not in our own strength because he is with us and believing he is with us, it gives us additional courage. That's why a lot of times you can come out of a church service or come out of watching and, and you just, you, you're, those words, they, they, they do something in your heart and they, they speak to you and you go, we're going to come out of this. We're going to come through this. And that's a great thought. Let me, let me, I can, I could run with this for a while. I want, I want to close up with this. When God confirmed that word to Joshua, he had heard it from Moses, but now he confirmed it uh, himself to Joshua. And, and I thought about that. And, and as I was thinking about you as a church, I thought, you know, it's one thing, it's one thing to hear from me. It's one thing for me to say as your pastor, listen, God is with you. He is never going to leave you or forsake you. That's the promise that we have out of Hebrews that he said he would never leave us or forsake us. And we can boldly say the Lord's our helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. We can boldly say that. But you know, it's one thing for me to tell you that. It's another thing for you to really catch it for yourself. There's a, a, a passage in the book of John where a, a noble man or a wealthy man comes to Jesus. He said, Jesus, I need you to come to my house and heal my son. He's about to die. And Jesus said, well, he looked at him and gave him an unusual answer. He said, well, unless you see signs and wonders, you're not going to believe. And, and the, the rich guy, he, he looked at Jesus. He said, he said, sir, please come down. And Jesus looked at him and said, you can go on your way. He said, your son lives. The next verse is John 4, 450. He said, and the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. One of the reasons I encourage you not just to listen to me, but to also maybe go through these scriptures or look them up on your own or read your Bible on your own is because it's one thing when I tell you, it's another thing when you begin to read your Bible and you have a growing sense in your heart. This is what God's telling you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's going to stay with you. His mercy is great towards you and he loves you. And that makes such a difference. And believing that, man, that gives us a renewed courage. So sometimes you're looking around and you're seeing things and you're going, man, things are, things are going crazy. Every time I talk to somebody, they're like, man, things are, things are crazy and there's all this stuff going on and people are sad and people are sad. And, and I think, we understand that. We understand things are, are crazy. We understand they're nuts. But guys, at some point in time, we have to stop talking that we're sad and have to start talking. Yeah, but thank God we've got help. And God, heaven's not freaking out right now. Heaven is not pulling their hair out, wondering what to do because we're in a pandemic and all these things are going on. Heaven's very confident and very calm. And we got a God who's bigger than this and he's with us. So we can go, hey, it may be crazy, but I got a God who's not, and he's with me. We're going to say a simple prayer. Maybe you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, or maybe you have, and, and, and maybe before this or sometime, you just got away from God. So we're going to say a prayer. It's a very simple but powerful prayer that you can pray to connect with the Lord for the very first time, or maybe to just simply to reconnect. But either way, if you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with other people, pray it quietly to yourself. 
Let us know. You can text us at 313-131. Let us know that you prayed this. And the reason we tell you that is because we will, we will continue to pray for you. We're just so thrilled that you would do that. Opening that door to more of God in your life. So I'm going to bow my head and pray. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. Pray it with us. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. And I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. Thank you for those who have come to you and those who've come back. Lord, we just rejoice with them. We give you all the praise for what you're doing and will do in their lives. Thank you for a new day for them. We give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.